0: Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and if you want to save money on your daily driver, you need to step up your maintenance game. Why? Because new and used cars are more expensive than ever. So if you don't want to spend a lot to replace your current vehicle, whatever you're driving today might be the same car you're driving a year or two from now. Also, when you eventually go to sell or trade in your car or truck, You want it to be in good condition so you can get as much money for it as possible. So in a moment I'll give you some strategies and advice on how to keep your car in good working condition so you can keep it on the road or get the most for it when it's time to sell or trade it in. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So I hate to bring up depressing news, but while doing research for the previous episode on the last of BMW's non-turbo inline six-cylinder coupes, the 128i, I came across a video of a mechanic taking apart a BMW six-cylinder engine, and it was clear whoever owned the car didn't take very good care of it. The engine was seized and the tops of the pistons were caked with carbon, which you could probably trace back to a lack of consistent oil changes or maybe no oil changes. The car was just kind of a mess. Now, why does this matter? Well, a couple of recent reports from the Washington Post and PBS NewsHour pointed out that the average new car loan payment is now $729 per month. And used car payments average per month. Seriously? I mean, that's expensive. Of course, part of it's due to higher car prices for both new and used cars, and part of it's due to higher interest rates, which are about 7% for new cars and about 11% for used cars on average here in the U.S. But those crazy numbers don't end there. Some people are paying much higher interest rates if their credit isn't good, And about one in six Americans are paying more than $1,000 per month to buy a new car. $1,000 a month. That's just crazy. Now, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking this is a really bad time to buy a new car. And based on the prices, interest rates, and availability of good used cars, it might be a bad time to buy a used car as well. Now, of course, I'm always giving you strategies and tips on on used cars that you should consider, used cars and trucks, but even then, they're more expensive than they used to be. So if you've been thinking about replacing your current car, but you're not sure what you want, I would advise you to reconsider that strategy for the time being and focus instead on stepping up your maintenance game on your current car so it lasts longer and costs you less in the long run. Also, keeping your current car in good condition will allow you to get more for it when you eventually do trade it in or sell it down the road. So, how should you approach this new keep-it-on-the-road maintenance mindset for your car? Well, let's start by talking about the basics. And the basics are fluids. And fluids are the lifeblood of your car. So, if you don't stay on top of replacing them at the correct intervals, you're going to have more problems than you should with your car. Now, the big one is oil changes, regular oil changes. Now, your engine in your car, if you have an internal combustion engine, needs to have oil for lubrication. Without oil, it's not going to last very long. Maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds, not very long. It might go longer if it's got synthetic oil in it, but it's not going to last long if the oil is dirty and and bad. So you want to stay on top of those oil changes. Now, how often should you change your oil? It depends on your car, so you're going to want to consult your owner's manual. However, what I do is I take the manufacturer's suggestion in terms of how often to change the oil, and I cut it in half. Now, a lot of people might say, well, that's a waste of oil. But newer cars have gone to longer and longer change intervals in recent years, and I'm not completely in favor of that for me personally. So, for example, I've got an Audi with a 10,000-mile oil change interval. I change it every 5,000 miles, and I use factory filters and a high-quality synthetic oil. So, that's what I do. Your mileage may vary, but I think 10,000 miles is just too long. So, I've been doing that cut-it-in-half thing for quite some time since the change intervals went up to, like, 7,500 or 10,000 miles. And in some cases, it's even longer. It's crazy. Also, you want to make sure you use the correct oil for your car. This is really important. And it's not just the weight of the oil. That's kind of the viscosity, the thickness of it. But it's also any sort of additives that are in there for your particular car. So, for example, European cars require very specific oil. Um, Some Japanese cars, same thing. So you're going to want to make sure you get the right oil for your car. There's a lot more variability in that today than there used to be, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. So stay on top of that. Next fluid you want to stay on top of is the coolant. So your engine needs coolant to maintain a proper temperature. It also runs through the heat core on your car for the heater to heat the interior. So you want to make sure that that's changed. Uh, Coolant flush, you're going to probably do that every mm, 30,000 miles or so, or maybe three to five years. But again, check your owner's manual for your specific car. Every car is a little bit different. Uh, The next one up, fluid-wise, is brake fluid. Now, a lot of people recommend replacing or flushing out the brake fluid every two years, okay, and mileage doesn't matter, because brake fluid is what they call hygroscopic, H-Y-G-R-O, scopic. Anyway, that means that it absorbs moisture from the surrounding air. So if you live in a wet environment, like here in the Pacific Northwest where I'm at, uh, we have times of year when it rains a lot, a lot of moisture in the air, maybe you live in a humid climate you're more likely to have moisture in the air that could be drawn into the brake fluid. So a lot of people recommend doing it every two years. I do it a little bit, yeah, my change interval is probably a little bit longer than that, maybe every two and a half, three years. I've gone even longer on some cars if they're kept indoors and not driven that often, that sort of thing. But, you know, every two years isn't a bad thing. And a lot of people never change it, which is insane because if you get moisture in there, you start to get corrosion inside of the, the brake system. And your brakes can fail. So not a good idea. You want to stay on top of those changes. Um, Transmission fluid and differential fluid, those are both going to be somewhere between 30,000 and 60,000 miles. Again, check your owner's manual. But you want to do that on a consistent basis. Uh, There's power steering fluid is another fluid. I have never, actually one time I changed out power steering fluid on our Honda Pilot, former Honda Pilot. And I did that because I put a new pump on it. So I put a new pump on and I had to, you know, add more to the system. So I completely drained out the system and then completely refilled it. But it's a little more complicated than just draining your oil on your engine and then refilling because it's inside the steering rack and you have to turn the wheel from side to side to clear all the fluid out and get the new fluid in and get the bubbles out. It's a little little bit of a funky procedure. So you may not want to try and do that yourself if you're a DIY type. But uh, you definitely, you know, once in a while might want to do that, maybe somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000 miles. Again, check your owner's manual. It may not be required on your car. Um, and then the last fluid that really is important that people don't necessarily think of as a fluid is the gasoline. I mean, it's a fluid, right? It goes through the car. But the quality of the gas you buy matters. I use gas from the local Grange that has zero additives. And I love it because I think it makes the car run better. It's maybe more of a mental thing, but I know it makes my yard tools work better. So I have an old lawnmower that I bought 15 years ago. And when I bought it, it was 15 years old. It's a 30-year-old lawnmower. I never clean it. I never do anything to it. I check the oil like at the beginning of the season, like, there's still enough oil in here. I've never changed the oil. I got it from a neighbor for 50 bucks. I've had it 15 years. It's cost me amortized over 15 years. It's $3 and 33 cents a year. I mean, come on, it should die, but I can't seem to kill it. And I put this really great fuel in it. And when I'm done at the end of the year, I just basically push it in the shed. And recently I just got it back out and it took two poles and the thing started right up and I started mowing the lawn again. And I just kind of laugh, like I've never used gasoline that would do this. I used to use, I think it was Costco gas, and it would gum up and I'd have to, you know, clean the carburetor and you know, put in a new spark plug and blah, blah, blah. I haven't done a spark plug in years. I just don't do it because it works great. So start with the, you know, quality fluid in your car. That's going to make a big difference in the long run. Next up is ongoing maintenance. Things like tune-ups, timing belt and water pump replacement, brake pads and rotors, tire replacements, that sort of thing. So we'll start with tune-ups. Tune-ups on new cars basically consist of replacing, like, the spark plugs, sometimes an occasional individual coil for that spark plug, but typically it's just the spark plugs and an engine air filter. That's the extent of it. But you do need to replace them, and typically it's like 30,000 or 60,000 miles, depending on the car. Again, check your owner's manual. But you want to stay on top of that because once you've gone beyond that interval and you've got plugs that start to go bad, your engine can run rough and you're not getting as good a fuel economy. So stay on top of that stuff. The other big one is timing belt and water pump replacement. Your car has valves that open and close above each piston, and that is all opened and closed by a belt that's turning some big sprockets that turn some camshafts that do their magic. Anyway, that is all kept in synchronicity by the belt. And if the belt breaks or if it jumps a tooth or comes off, bad things happen. Metal crashes into metal and stuff breaks. Also, over time, the water pump will start to leak. So when you go in to change the belt... Typically, cars have either a 60,000, some have 100,000-mile change intervals. Again, check your owner's manual for your car. Your car may not even have a timing belt. It might have a timing chain. In that case, you don't have to worry about it. At least you don't have to worry about it when it's newer. You know, if it has 300,000 miles, the chain could be worn, and you could jump a tooth, and things are bad. But then your car is older, and, you know, maybe you're beyond the life of the car. But I'm assuming your car has under, say, in 150 or 200,000 miles, and it has a timing belt. You want to stay on top of those changes. Another big one, brake pads and rotors. Once you get down to the end of your brake pads and your rotors are worn, you want to replace those. They're not that difficult to replace. It's something you could probably do yourself if you're somewhat mechanically inclined, but you want to stay on top of that stuff. Uh, tire replacement, another big one. A lot of people ignore their tires, but those four contact patches, it's the only place where the rubber meets the road. It's the only thing that's holding you to this good earth. If you're not keeping the tires inflated properly and that sort of thing, that's bad for you. You can't stop the car if you don't have good tires. Also, suspension and alignment. So when you replace the tires, you want to take your car in and get an alignment. Because if you just spent you know $500 or $1,000 on tires, depending on your car, if you don't go in and then have the alignment set so everything's tracking properly, you could wear those tires out by half before you know it simply because the alignment's bad. So you want to have the car aligned after you get new tires. Otherwise, you could have more tire wear quickly. So get on top of that. And finally, for ongoing maintenance, I recommend that you buy a cheap onboard diagnostic 2 scanner, an OBD 2 scanner. Well, I did an entire, you know, it's kind of a short episode on this maybe a month or two ago. And basically I said, look, you can solve a lot of problems yourself just by plugging in a scanner. If there's a trouble code or a check engine light that comes up on your car, you plug the scanner in and it will read the code. And even if you don't, you're not a mechanic, let's say, and even if you don't know what that code means, you can go to Google, just go inside, get on your computer, type in Google, type in what the code is, po three O two, for a... Lexus ES350. Boom. It's going to come up and say, oh, that's X, or that's Y, or that's Z. And it might be something simple, like check this vacuum hose. It may be in need of replacement. Maybe it fell off. I've seen that happen where you get a code and it's nothing. I've seen it happen where you get a code and it's something. The most recent one I had was a cylinder number three was having a misfire, and it turned out I needed a new spark plug in my car, so I replaced that. And it was really simple. I didn't have to go to a mechanic. I didn't have to spend a bunch of money to have it checked. I just plugged in my $30 scanner and fixed it. So get yourself a cheap OBD2 scanner and solve a lot of those problems yourself. Don't go pay a shop for that. At least minimally, you're going to find out what the problem is before you take it in. So do that. Another way to stay on top of maintenance is to keep a schedule and have a regular routine. What I mean by that is for the bigger things that have a date and a time and a mileage number coming up, you know, again, things like timing belt replacement or when you might need to flush your brake fluid, that sort of thing. You can get one of those little spiral notebooks and just write down the maintenance you need to do and either the date or the mileage you need to do it. And then just refer to that every month or two just to make sure you stay on top of that stuff so you know when things are coming up and you can plan for it in your budget, right? The other thing you want to do from a regular routine standpoint is always check the oil and the brake fluid and the washer fluid every time you fill up the car. If you do that, then your brake fluid will always be full, your washer fluid will always be full, And if you do have an oil issue where you're low on oil for some reason, that's an alert. That's like, hey, check this out, right? But if you're doing it at every fill-up, you know, you're probably going to 300 miles. So that's a good time to check your oil. You could check it every day, but that's a little overkill. I would just do it when you do fill-ups. Also, you should buy a good pressure gauge or a tire pump with a gauge on it, and then pick a day and a time each week to check your tire pressure and look at the tread. First of all, you don't want to check your tire pressure when you're at a gas station because you've been driving the car and the tires have heated up. And as tires heat up, the air inside expands and you're not getting an accurate cold pressure for the tire. Also, if you check the tires first thing in the morning on that regular check day, you are getting, you know, every tire is at the same temperature. And you've set the pressure for those four tires correctly for each other. If the car is sitting in the sun, one side's in the sun, you know, in an afternoon, the other side's in the shade, one side's, you know, 30 degrees hotter, that's going to be a big difference in pressure from the tires on one side to the tires on the other side. So you want to do it in the morning. You want to do it when all the tires are the same temperature. And on that same day, check your windshield wipers and clean your windows wipers wear out over time people don't really realize it but they'll get to a point where their wipers are literally like they're flopping there's like pieces like rubbing and if you go too far with that you can lose enough rubber that the metal part of the wiper arm actually starts scraping on your windshield don't do that that's just ruining your car okay and wiper blades are cheap you know 15 20 bucks you can order them off amazon or online somehow And just have them sent to your house. It's really simple to put on. Just stay on top of that stuff and check it when you check your tire pressure. Same thing with cleaning your windows. I'm talking about not only the exterior of the window to get, like, bugs and dust and that sort of thing off, but also the interior. Over time, there's usually some film that builds up on the inside of your window. And you may not see it on a cloudy day, but when you get some sun coming in from a side or, like, a low angle, it can really be hard to see through. And, you know, you can get in an accident. You know, save yourself some money. Don't get in an accident, okay? Next up, you want to dress for success. Spend a little time each week to keep your car clean. This is really easy to do, and a lot of people don't do it. They kind of live in a car that's sort of a rolling garbage can. I have a couple of kids who've done that. Anyway, just make a routine where at the end of the week, on the interior... Take out all the stuff you don't need, the, the receipts, the, you know, pens and pencils and whatever, you know, shopping bags, whatever's kind of built up in there over the week. Also, take out anything that someone might want to steal it, you know, power cords for your phone or an empty backpack that looks like it's full. Take that stuff out or put it in the trunk so nobody can see it because if somebody sees it through the window, they might just break the window to see if it's in there. And do you really want to deal with a broken window? because some dude stole your empty backpack? No, don't. So clean your car out. Keep it clean. Also, the exterior. I would recommend, if you haven't done this before, go to a detailer and have a decent detail done on the car. Now, you might think, "Eh, I got an old car. It doesn't really matter. You know what? They can make an old car look like a new car, and you can feel like, in a way, you're driving a new car for not a lot of money. So I would recommend you do that and kind of get a baseline for the quality of the paint and everything, and then ask the detailer, how do I stay on top of this over the next year or two years? And they'll tell you, you know, wash it every two weeks and wax it every three months or something. So do that and stay on top of it. And the next time you go to sell your car, you know, two, three years down the road, you're going to have a clean interior and a clean exterior, and it's going to be much easier to sell that car. Also, if you get any broken parts or bent parts on the car, uh, somebody puts a little door ding in it, You know, pay the paintless dent person to take the dent out. Unless you're driving a $1,000 car that's just a piece of junk. You want to stay on top of those things because it doesn't take long for a little dent here and a little cracked window here and a broken piece here and a bent thing there to make the car look like it's worth nothing. And if you want it to be worth nothing, then great, don't take care of it. But if you want to be able to have some value in it at the end, and you want to trade it in or sell it, then keep it in good shape. It'll pay off in the long run. And this final thing is to help you deal with pain at the pump, the money you're spending for the fuel that you have to run the car. So we talked earlier about tune-ups. You want to do that because that's going to improve your fuel economy if your fuel economy's dropped off somewhat. It's not going to improve it a lot. It's going to take it back similar to what it was when it was a newer car. Same thing with tire pressure. Having the proper tire pressure in the car will keep the fuel economy where it's supposed to be. If you have an underinflated tire, it has more rolling resistance. It also makes the handling kind of funky. So you want to stay on top of tire pressure like we talked about. Alignment, same thing. If the car is trying to track to the right or the left, uh, it takes more fuel to push that car forward if the alignment's off. Now, it's not going to make a huge difference, most likely, unless the alignment's really screwed up and then you've got other problems, but it's worth staying on top of those things. But here are some tips that you probably haven't thought of that really do make a difference in terms of fuel economy. Now, this first one, I'm going to sound like your dad. Here goes. I'm going to say, double up on your trips. Triple up on your trips. Ask yourself, do I need to go or can I put this off to tomorrow when I'm going to Home Depot and, you know, the garden center anyway, Right if you're just making a quick run to get sour cream and you don't really need sour cream till tomorrow, put it off a day. Why do multiple trips? Now, I know sometimes you just want to get out of the house. That's fine. But my wife and I started doing this several years ago and it really does make a difference. It cuts your driving by about a third. So it makes a difference in the urban environment, things around town. So keep that in mind. Um, Another one. This is something that I read about several years ago, where UPS, United Parcel Service, the big brown trucks, what can brown do for you? Those guys started implementing a right-hand turn policy for all of their drivers. So what they tried to do was plan all of their trips to be kind of big clockwise circles where most of the turns were right-hand turns. Why? Well, you waste a lot of gas and a lot of time sitting in a light to turn left or trying to turn left in a center divider going across oncoming traffic, but it's easy to turn right because you're already, traffic's already moving to the right. Does that make sense? Anyway, this strategy saved UPS 10 million gallons of fuel use each year once they implemented it. 10 million gallons times four bucks a gallon, that's $40 million a year. What company wouldn't want to do that? What about you? Would you like to save some? So, you know, if you can plan your trips, I don't like really stress about this, but if I'm going to go to you know, like three or four different places, I'll take them in a clockwise pattern because it's actually faster. I actually don't do it so much for the fuel economy. I do it for the speed. It tends to be quicker. Anyway, so keep that in mind. And here's another one that you may not think about. So I have a rocket box and a um, bike rack. And I was I took a trip in our wagon and got about, I don't know, a freeway trip. I probably got about 20-ish miles per gallon. Then I had to do like the identical trip, but I had taken off the bike rack and the rocket box. And I got 23. I got three miles per gallon more. Now you might think, oh, three miles per gallon, that's not much. Well, that's 15% better fuel economy than 20 I mean, that's a big difference. There's nothing that I can do, you know, in terms of tire pressure and tune-ups and that kind of stuff that's going to return a 15% difference in fuel economy. So if you're driving around with a bike rack on top or a rocket box that you don't use at all or very often, take that thing off and stick it in the back of the garage and drive without it. And you can save yourself a lot of fuel. So there are some simple do-it-today ideas to help you save money at the pump save on maintenance, and to help you keep your car in good working order and looking great. So what are you waiting for? Get on it. Get to work. Keep your car running and looking great so you can get more for it when you eventually sell it or trade it in. And in the meantime, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you love. Also, be sure to catch the next episode on the Lexus SC400 Coupe. It's a two-door luxury coupe with V8 power that makes both a great commuter and a great long-distance touring car, so if you're looking for something like that to drive, don't miss that episode. And until then, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.